Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. To Eternal Dirtles, I'm your host Zach Clark, and with me, as always, is Nathan Gullia and Phil Bleckman. Say hello, guys. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. How we doing? Um, yeah, we're doing. I'm I'm doing good. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to bring up one point uh, before we started in on on this week's topic. Um, Bearded Dragon is now sponsoring us, so that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, we're making we're making waves in the uh, the the local gaming uh, scene, so we've got some sponsors now, which is pretty great. And Bearded Dragon is located where, Zach? Bearded Dragon is in New Jersey, so uh, we've got we've got uh, Paragon City Games is sponsoring us. They're in Utah, and Bearded Dragon is in New Jersey, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of great. We got the East Coast West Coast kind of thing happening now. And Bearded Dragon is doing a lot with Eternal formats. I think they recently had was it Modern Win a Mox. Yeah, they're always doing uh, legacy and vintage and, and uh, modern events, so that's that's pretty great. They're they're one of those places that's like, it's a relatively short destination from Brooklyn, so we generally get like a crew of people to to show up and, uh, you know, they they run they run a pretty solid shop. That's they've got a lot of space and uh, it, it's it's all in all just a great place to play. So it's it's awesome to have them as a sponsor, but it's also awesome to uh, be able to tell people about them as well. Have them as a store. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, so look, look, look them up. I think they're uh, within an hour drive if you live in any of the five boroughs of New York. So any, all the New Yorkers out there can play there for big prizes. And all of our Jersey listeners also probably already know that it's a great shop. Yeah. And if uh, if Zach and I ever played against each other there, uh, I'm fairly certain that Zach crushed me. <laughs> Maybe. I think I got <laughs> Bearded Dragon. It's got to be. If it's that close to New York, it's got to be close to Philadelphia as well. So I'm sure all of our oh, yeah. Pennsylvania listeners. Um, so, great. Yeah. So that's awesome. Zach. Uh, go on. Zach, did you uh, play any Legacy perhaps earlier tonight? I did. I played some Legacy earlier tonight, and uh, I, I chose Phil's uh, Esper deck, and I got uh, thoroughly crushed. I take no responsibility for that, by the way. No, it's definitely my me being a scrub with with a deck that I don't know how to play. I, I you know, borrowing underground seas, it's really hard to play with underground seas if you don't know how to play with them. Yeah. You know what card is really skill testing and interesting? Hmm. Cabal therapy. Agreed. You know what? Ma- you know what makes it uh, uninteresting and not skill testing? Gitaxian probe. Gitaxian probe. probe. <laughs> yes, I agree. I did not ever once uh, blind uh, Cabal Therapy, um, so it never it never really bothered me to have to skill test myself. I, I, and I will tell you that like the percentage, if if you like, I like that Cabal Therapy actually incentivizes you to play in a way where you are constantly trying to decipher what is in your opponent's hand at all times in case you draw it, or if it's just sitting in your graveyard, if you, what you want to name. Usually you'll like pinpoint a card that you find to be threatening to you, like a wrath, if you're about to like slam a mentor and go off or, um, if you know, uh, what Nate was saying earlier when he played the deck against a player where he had to just cabal therapy, turn one in the blind saying chalice of the void, um, that it, I, I like that it, it 
sort of gets you in the thought process of I'm playing this either defensively or proactively for things that I care about, but also like if there are the uh the aggro deck that you're trying to fend off what they're trying to do. I think Cabal Therapy is a really interesting card that, you know, picking up Underground Seas for the first time and then picking up this deck and then playing Cabal Therapy is being like, oh, wow, this card is way more skill testing than I thought in a deck that isn't um, just like a combo deck that can kill you on turn one, you know? I've played a lot of Cabal Therapies in my day without Gitaxian Probe, uh, thanks to, like, Nick Fit. (laughs) And... You know, one of the maxims you learn is name the card that kills you, not the card you think they're most likely to have. And that was actually pretty interesting because I was playing against Storm. And I had... I also played uh, Esper Mentor tonight, and uh, I did not do so well either. We'll talk about... We can talk about those in detail later. In this particular case, though, um, I was playing against Storm. It was I knew what they were playing. It was game two. And... I had an Aether Sworn Cannonist in play and a Cabal Therapy in my hand. So I had to decide, am I going to burn my one non-artifact spell a turn, you know, that I get on this Cabal Therapy? And if so, what am I afraid of? So I had to decide whether it was worth attempting to therapy his um, removal, but also what that removal could be. So... Actually, that, that gives us an interesting question. So let's say you're in that situation. How long do you hold on to the therapy? Because at this point, my opponent has played... Um, I think I probed him on turn one, and maybe I had another therapy. I don't remember what happened, but he had a, a hand that was basically like... He, bar- he boarded in Silent Gravestone against me. So his first turn was just casting the card Silent Gravestone. I feel like you're already winning. Yeah, I felt like that was a good that was a good move for me too. Now I did have surgical extraction in my deck, and I had death right in my deck, snapcaster mage, and all that stuff. But I also had like either sworn cannonist. He also put himself down a card to play that card, so that's good for you. Yeah, my opponent showed me over the course of the game one volcanic island and two underground cities. I guess my question is: Are you considering therapying his removal at any point? as you're attacking for two and just on the two damage a turn plan like I was. Uh, what is your uh, current uh, hand alongside this Cabal well, let's look. Okay, let's put it this way. So my hand actually was double force, double blue card. So I was in pretty good shape, right? Unless he had some sort of way to kill my Aether Sworn Cannonist that I couldn't counter, hint, hint, right? Like there's a lot of cards he could have. There are Event- two cards. There are only two cards that I would consider uh, threatening to you, not just being able to win by protecting your canonist. And force of will does only one thing is great against one of them, and is not good against the other. And I would probably not name the cabal therapy uh, in that position, unless. You were specifically afraid of abrupt decay, and he didn't have a green source. Well, that's the thing. I, he never showed me a green source, so I assumed he didn't have abrupt decay, and so therefore I just kept my therapy until yep. such a time when I felt like I needed to use it. I think he he went up to four lands, still did not play a green land, played a lotus petal, and cast ad nauseum, which I just forced, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then I think that was it. Now, I mean, I was just thinking, like, do I name? Oh, the other thing I was, I eventually drew a surgical extraction 
And I figured that if he had chain of vapor, I actually wanted him to chain of vapor my Ether Sworn Canonist so I could chain of vapor his silent gravestone and surgical all of his infernal tutors from its graveyard because he had cast one to find like a second uh, artifact of some sort. I forget. Um, I don't know. It was just an interesting situation to have canonist in play, therapy in hand, no information on his hand. And even if I drew probe, I could not use that information that turn on the therapy. So I had to, I was holding a probe to pitch to force, but I never was considering to cast it because just spending my whole turn to knock the storm count down by a, by one and, uh, you know, draw a card that may not pitch to force didn't seem like the right use of my, of my turn. Yeah, there are only two cards that I could I would think that he would bring in against you, knowing that you're on Espermentor. Uh, Gravestone is actually surprising to me. I I guess that's something that they're trying out. Uh, I would not expect that card, and I feel like you're way ahead if they play it. Uh, the only two cards that I would consider would be Abrupt Decay, which you know they'll bring in for things like Canonist, or uh, Massacre for because you're going wide with white creatures. But, yeah, but I can I can counter massacre. I'm specifically scared of abrupt decay in this situation, right? right? Yeah. Well, abrupt decay plus green source. Right. And since but the thing is, once he has a green source, I can't ever therapy the abrupt decay. So I would probably not make uh, any of. I, I probably wouldn't have made any moves there if I didn't have to, because if you're afraid of abrupt decay, which he doesn't have a green source for. Uh, but you're, the other thing is Massacre that you can force a will, but even if he does have either of those things, having double force is just going to be way better than like anything else. Like If that's the case, I think another card that you could theoretically name that would be reasonable is uh, an opposing Cabal Therapy. I actually did consider that. Um, therapy is therapy, then if he can kill my Canonist, he can't therapy me back and name force. It was an interesting situation. I ended up not doing anything and just and just attacking for two until he died. <laughs> but just the, the fact that I held the Caval therapy for I think three or four turns at that at one point, just seeing if he was ever going to play a green source. In fact, when the lotus petal hit the table, I was like, "Well, here we go." And then he just cast uh, ad nauseum off of it, which would have been really risky. I almost should have probably let it resolve <laughs> because he would have gone down a decent amount of life to. Uh, to do anything. I mean, I had attacked a few times at that point, but anyway. Zach, do you... No, what do you I, think? Should we, should we even be playing either Sword and Canonist? I... Because we're playing Mentor. Yeah, I'm always I'm always at a loss as to whether or not Aether Sworn Canonist is a good magic card outside of, like, D&T is, like, a, a, another way to make Storm hard for your opponent. Um, or impossible, obviously, with, with Aether Sworn Canonist. But, um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it outside of D&T. But I also don't play decks generally that that play white mana and creatures. <laughs> I'm trying to see, Phil. Did you have either Thorn Candace in your deck? No, he did not. Uh, I I did not have it when I went when I played it at the SEG, but I have played one in my board since. Uh, I think it's, in my opinion, it's a fine card to have because it's a proactive threat that they ha they can no longer kill you while it's on the table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like yes, you're playing with mentor, but if you're getting to the point where you get to storm them out, you probably already had the nuts well beforehand. Yeah, you're winning. You know, like, you're not going, okay, uh, let me storm out, make a bunch of dudes, and then pass the turn with, you know, F6 and hope I don't die. Like, yeah, that's never that's going fair. your way. So I think having the card where it's like, 
your game plan can either be turn one death right or turn one uh, probe therapy or therapy blind, and then you just like can stick your ether sworn cannonist on turn two. And now all of a sudden they have to deal with that before they can even care about your blue cards. Right. And the fact that it's also a hate piece that you can bring in that doesn't get hit by duress, uh, I think it has enough going for it for what the deck is looking for, which is a cheap way to pressure your opponent and stop them from what they're doing, that it's worth at least one slot in the board. I uh, have in the... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to suggest if anybody was looking at is still like interested, interested in this deck, uh, I've been crushing with it. I think it's great. Uh, but if you were looking at my deck from the SCG, the one thing uh, slot that you could probably consider swapping in the Ether Swan Cannonist for is sadly the Basic Forest. Forest, <laughs> yeah, Basic Forest. Um, no, I played a I played a Jitte there because that's what you had, had suggested, but I never I you know yeah. I I didn't play against anything that was worth bringing that in against. Yeah, I um, I I had Kambal in my deck for a while, uh, as the Storm Hate piece. It doesn't yeah, get hit three by mana massacre. Is so much. Three mana is a lot, like, but you're, you're. I mean, I, theoretically, you're gonna get a chance to therapy and have them counter stuff. Like, they're not gonna just slam stuff. Are my opponent in this in this game also had defense grid? Like, he was pretty loaded up against the blue decks. So, in fact, I think I countered a defense grid that he cast because I was like, if he casts defense grid and then removes my cannonist, I can't win. <laughs> like, I'm in trouble. I'm going to just be dead. So I think yeah. I had to use one of my forces on a defense grid, which didn't feel great. Um, but then in the second game, or in the third game, I boarded out my... Oh, because he didn't show me any green mana, I boarded out the last... I kept one Swords Plowshares in in case it's Zanted Swarm. And I boarded that out for uh, Disenchant. And I boarded, I think, a search for his Kanta out for the Vindicate just in case, because he seemed to have more permanent-based hate. Like uh, or anti-hate, like uh, Silent Gravestone and um, uh, Defense Grid. So then I lost because he drew like he drew perfectly after I he drew perfectly after therapy being away in my double fluster storm. So uh, <laughs> I've I've boarded out all of my removal spells. Like I board out all the swords and I board out the fatal pushes and I board out all that stuff and I just bring in the zealous persecutions. Yeah, they can they double as a way to deal with the Xanthid Swarm if that's something that they bring in against you, which I don't think they do, but. Assuming they did, but then it's also just your way to kill a bajillion goblins. Well, why wouldn't they bring in Xanted Swarm against the blue deck? Like, no, that's what it's there for. Why would they bring it against you, right? Like, you're the type of blue deck that, like, you're going to have other ways to, you know, you're not, like, show and tell. You're, you're not only fighting on the stack. That's true. I mean, he brought in Defense Grid. And I yeah. think if he had Xanted, that indicates to me that if he had Xanted. I mean, he didn't have it. I'm pretty sure he didn't play green at all. I'm you got to remember, sure. though, he's, he also brought in Silent Gravestone. Right. <laughs> like, he was he was bringing in... It sounded like he, he overboarded for you. Yeah. Well, he still won, because uh, sometimes you get to probe therapy away double fluster storm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which sucked, but... Well, anyway, I don't know. I've had fun with this deck. In fact, what I... What you started... You were playing it, Phil, and doing well, and then I played it, and I had a very nice run. I think I was 4-1, 4-1, 3-2. So what's that? 11 and 4 and three straight leagues and just kind of hit some hit the skids since then a little bit. But I still think the deck is really good. I'm I'm in on Tundra as like a card that I want to play. I just don't really want to play Miracles. Like, yeah, I mean, deck is sweet. Deck is great. I have still been hot as shit with it. So yeah, I mean, uh, you can't you can't argue with results. That's for sure. Um, that's and. Th I'm playing this deck for the first time, so I'm certainly not going to pass judgment on, on on it based off of my my one experience with it. 
um, at least not not for the not in the uh, in the negative for for sure. I'm just gonna say I don't think this deck is bad at all. No, I think that yeah, yeah. a lot of other decks are really stupid, and that sucks. Yeah. Like I don't want to I don't want to go on this rant again, but <laughs> twice, two times against Grixis Delver, I've been playing a reactive game, killing their stuff, setting up my hand, getting my basics online. I use my life total a little bit as a resource. You know, you take a hit from a Delver here, play around days there, and then they just drop a stupid true name, and I'm dead. Yeah. In three turns. Like, that is just so irritating. Like, come on. Like, you know, they go from nothing. Oh, the first time it was top deck. He had nothing in hand. I had five power on the board. Nothing in, he has nothing in hand. He just draws true name one, draws true name two, and I'm dead. Yep. <laughs> uh, threw my five power on the board. And then, uh, then in the, the, the other time, it was just like I was down to nine, and he drew true name, and I cast Baleful Strix and didn't find my Zealous Persecution, and I cast Ponder and didn't find my Zealous Persecution, and that was it. Like, I don't know. I, like, is the deck bad against Grixis? I don't know. It sucks against true name, but everything sucks against true name. Even yeah. you, you had two Zealous Persecution, Phil. I had the same thing, and I had an Edict. I even had an extra thing. Well, that's that's a good segue into talking about uh, the legacy metagame for this week, uh, and sort of looking looking at the what the top eight decks are at this point. Uh, obviously, Grixis Delver is number one. Um, I don't think there's any surprises there. Um, four color control, uh, Kyle at number two. Uh, Sultai Delver at number three. Um, note all three of these decks run four Deathrite Shaman, so there's twelve Deathrite Shaman in the top eight already. Um, okay. And then What's we've the got next deck? Miracles is number four. Um, so now all four of those decks run free, uh, run Brainstorm. That's true. Uh, then we have Death and Taxes, uh, Eldrazi Stompy, Turbo Depths, and Storm uh, rounds out the top eight. So uh, that's a lot of Deathrite Shaman, some, a lot of Brainstorms, Storm and... obviously. Go on. No, I'm just saying there's a lot of decks that the, the next three decks, if you want to go up to those first four, where it's Grixis, Four Color, Bug Delver, Miracles, and Turbo Deaths, which I would consider to be basically decks targeting all those other decks. Yeah. <laughs> With Chalice and like Death and Taxes. I think Death and Taxes is really good at the moment. Um, I've been getting owned by a lot of palace jailers and a lot of sanctum prelates recently that really puts a hurting on you with any of these blue decks yeah sanctum prelate was actually a card that i was considering for the board for esper mentor <laughs> i'm i'm unsurprised it is it is the card you could play like you could put it, that we it up. oh man he's gone i'm here we lost him no no i'm here what are we gonna do with sanctum uh, prelate? yeah I, i'm I, sanctum okay. prelate i think is I don't know. I still I I dislike magic cards created like that cuz it just looks like lazy design to me. Um but uh I I don't know. I it, I think that it's it's interesting that uh Death and Taxes has ticked up like three or four spots since the last time we talked about this deck. Um and and is that there's I think there's a couple factors at play there. Um one, obviously the deck is good against Delver decks, which we're seeing basically Three three Delver decks, and if you consider Miracles another spell deck that's pretty spell heavy, uh, Death and Taxes also okay against that 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 deck. Uh, I think Miracles has a leg up against it for sure, 
but I mean, it, it at least tries to punish a deck from playing too many spells. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also like, I think people are trending towards death and taxes because the price is dropping significantly over the next couple of days. Four Rashad and Ports in paper, one fifty three twenty eight. Wow, yeah, yeah you can coming down quite a. You can really purchase this deck for I think under under probably like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, that's the only card I don't have in it actually. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the only thing, there, there have been like there's been the upward trend of Thalia and Cavern of Souls thanks to Modern Humans making those cards like way more expensive than they were obviously before that deck existed. But then with the reprint of Port, uh, it like balances out so that all of a sudden it's now going to be just one of the handful of legacy budget decks. But it's like a budget deck that's also top tier. Oh, very! It's a very good deck, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, you take your robots and, and your uh, and your anime babes, as as they say in the uh, the the like uh, list, and that deck constantly top eights. Like it sometimes converts to to a, a win. Uh, at, at these larger events, uh, and I know a lot of guys who are great Magic players that play that play this deck. I know a lot of kids that also play this deck too. But like a good player can really leverage this deck. I, I have never played Death and Taxes just because I never had Port, except for one time I played it at, as at a play testing. You know, we were like play testing with like a bunch of people, mm-hmm. and someone wanted to play against Death and Taxes. Someone else handed me a Death and Taxes deck. And I played against it, you know, what, hundreds, dozens of times, right? But until you have it in your hand and you're like, oh, gosh, like, this stuff can be really silly. <laughs> like, you're just like, oh, I see exactly how it works. And it's, it really is, it really is good. And I think it's good. And I actually, I think it's interesting that the the meta, you see, like, we have Grixis Delver right now at 14.02%. So let's call it 14. Mm-hmm. There is no other deck above 5% no. of meta share. Grixis Delver is sucking up all the air, and which gets me to my feeling that Grixis Delver, if there is a problem, it's the deck. It's not the. It's not a card. I think. I think the pile decks have been figured out to an extent, like just sort of where to attack them. I yeah. mean, they are still pretty fragile. Death and Taxes and Aldrazi moving up sort of sort of shows you that, right? Yeah, there's the the meta is shifting to face these decks for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Miracles is good against it too. I think. Mm-hmm. DNT has something that's inherently powerful about it, which I think anytime you're looking at a, a legacy deck, and I think I've mentioned this before where my issue with Pile is that it doesn't do anything inherently busted. Uh, but uh, DNT does have the inherently busted uh, check mark. It does play a bunch of soul rings. And yeah. that is a marquee of a deck that's going to be able to just steal games that it otherwise shouldn't have won. Uh, you know, it's somebody like Elves gets massive ancestral recall and tinker and that makes you talking about ether vial i'm talking about ether vial as the soul ring that they get to yeah, play. yeah. no i think that's good so. i've never heard that comparison but it is very accurate mm-hmm. because the difference between when they have vial and when they don't especially if you're a blue deck is so huge like vial you're brainstorming away your forces and then you're in trouble if they're trying to cast anything that you can't deal with you know yeah, yeah. you usually know that if they're if they're turn one like the turn one play, if you're a blue deck, if they go turn one vial, you have to snap force it. You know that that's the most busted thing that they're doing. Yeah. But the next thing could be something you also really want to snap force, and you're not going to have that now. Yeah. Like, whether it's Stoneforge, Mystic, or Thalia, like, or your, or even Revoker. Like, if you played Death Raid, they Revoker it. Like, yeah, I think DNT, it's in a good position. I, I, we'll see if the red, there's red and black splashes that are reasonably popular. 
could, yeah. could go a lot of places. So before... Eldrazi... Oh, go on. I was going to say, like, Eldrazi coming back a little bit, I think, is also interesting. I think that... I wonder, if, is it good against Grixis Delver? I don't really remember. In a while. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, just, it's just too big for that deck to deal with, and the Chalices uh, obviously cr- uh, crush Grixis Delver. So if you get a Chalice of the Void out um, or a Transphere out, uh, generally you're just stomping your opponent. And Thought Not Seer is too big for them to deal with. Um, you know, uh, Rally Smasher is too big for them to deal with. Uh, you know, overall, like, that deck is just primed to, to stomp all over Grixis Delver. Or Reality <laughs> Smasher just matches up well against everything they're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you guys something. If you're playing... Uh-oh. Well, is, is, is there any incentive to be... Did, did you lose me? Uh, we, we did. Lost you for a what did you say? If you're, you're playing, if you're playing, <laughs> I was saying if you're playing a creature aggro deck, mm-hmm. like if that, if you if you're like, okay, I'm gonna play a creature deck. Why? What is the incentive to be playing Eldrazi over DNT? Um, d- more soul rings. Even more soul rings, and they're on your <laughs> land. Is that true? I mean, that's four, eight, ten. Yeah, you're playing 11, twelve. 12 you're like playing twelve soul rings, plus the yeah, ability I, to I, be I, like I just, chalice. You lose. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's fair. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, if you're going into a long tournament, the Eldrazi deck, I feel, uh, I mean, I don't have infinite experience with it, but in the limited experience that I do have, it is pretty linear. Like, it, it pretty much does one thing, and that's, you know, play your dude, and then hope that, like you said, Reality Smasher and Chalice are going to be good enough, where DMT yes. allows you to really maneuver a little bit more, even though you don't have, like, of the Brainstorm decks... I feel like uh, DNT is way more flexible, and I feel like going into a long tournament, uh, like a GP or an SCG, that's going to be way more beneficial. Well, I think the thing the thing about El- Eldrazi is is that the deck is okay against unfair decks in that it, it plays Chalice, so it can stop you from starting your combo off, and it, it has a pretty fast clock. Um, but then it's very good against other fair decks. Yeah, I think Eldrazi will lose to itself by just ripping a bunch of lands off the top, or you have Price of Progress, which is which is tough. Like there, it's bad against maybe like the best, the best one of the best decks against it. I think is probably like Burn or Blue Red Delver. Yeah, where it's just like they're they're taking their own hits off Ancient Tomb and Dismember and all this stuff. Well, remember um, these decks are also playing uh, All Is Dust and stuff. So like if you get into a mirror with a fair deck, you're just like ha ha ha! I have a one sided wrath. Yeah, all this stuff is the is the worst, man. Yeah, so I mean that that <laughs> um, can be that can literally be cast off of off of two lands or three lands if you consider I of Ugin a land. Uh, so three lands and like a pedal or whatever, any sort of like mana accelerant that they're playing. Uh, some of these decks play Simeon Spirit Guide just to like turn one turn one a guy out. So uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's good with their Chalice too. So, I mean, the the deck is it, it just comes down to like what sort of flavor of of uh you know fair hate, hating deck do you want to play that also has game against combo decks? I just realized that I I don't see the the deck lands anywhere. Oh, here it is. Turbo Depths. Okay. Turbo Depths mm-hmm. isn't lands though. Yeah, and not, I, not I can lands. definitely say from experience that I think that Turbo Depths is easier to beat than lands but can still have leave you shaking your head yeah uh yeah lands lands <laughs> is in an 11th place and then elves elves at 12th grixis which i can't i don't even know what that is i'm not gonna click on it 
Uh, and then Don't there's Adna- there's Storm and Nauseam Tendrils, which is which is weird. But I, Storm is ninth and eighth place. Uh, well, I think that this is I think this Storm the one that says Storm is actually the Epic Storm with Rite of Flame. The okay. example deck is Brian Cooks. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and then there's Ad Nauseam Tendrils. So actually, we are seeing a little bit more Storm, which I find I think I think the fact that you saw more you're seeing more Storm is an indication that people adapted to what Pyle was doing. Yeah. Which I think Storm is is very good. Oh, not very good, but as much better puncher's chance against Pyle than, yeah. than Grixis Delver. And then Did as mention- more Storm decks creep in, it, it pushes the, the Pyle decks to Grixis Delver. Did you guys hear that Bryant was considering playing uh, Thalia in his Storm deck? Yeah. <laughs> that must have been a joke. No, he was considering playing Thalia in his Storm deck and calling it Thalia's Epic Storm. Oh, really? Yeah, That's and it's funny. like that, that that just goes to show you like how much of a master he is. Was he gonna put it in the sideboard and never bring it in? Well obviously he's gonna play so that he can play Mox Amber. Yeah, Mox Amber. Yeah. He can make white man off the Mox Amber. <laughs> yep. And he can play a silence play silences again. He can play uh, uh what's it called? Um, Orm's chant, guys, like Ooh, don't worry, he's already so far ahead of us. Like yeah. <laughs> Well Brian uh, Cook and Thalias are like Grixis, butter and jelly. This Grixis deck that you mentioned, Zach, by the way, is basically like Turbo Angler, four Pyromancer, four Angler. Oh god. Yeah, so it's just, it's just like therapy, a mid-range probe, Grixis deck. Yeah. It's like a tur- it's Turbo Angler, and it gets yeah. to a point about aggro decks that I wanted to make. Yeah. I played the Hollow One deck for a while. I did okay. But here's the thing, like there's no reason to to play like other than the fact that it's awesome and hilarious when you like get it to work. But there's no reason to to try and like bend over backwards to make like a free four four when there's a basically free five five. Yeah. Like, and that's unfortunate. Like, I had a lot of free four fours in that deck with with Hollow One and Vengevine, and then obviously Hooting Mandrels. But like, you can just like I was had to play Careful Study and I had to play Fatal Looting. These people are just playing Preordain, which is you know not as much of a step down from any other cantrip. They just they just have four Gurmag Anglers. So yeah. this deck just you know, it's just all air, but it does its thing. It's 17 lands, by the way. 17 lands. Damn. Um, 17 lands and a bunch of Tarmogoyf. Yep. Well, yeah, whatever. It's got um, the wide Tarmogoyf and Young Pyromancer and then four Gurmag Anglers. So, yeah. So so before we get into the, um, to- the actual topic of conversation tonight, um, I wanted to also uh, mention that we are being sponsored by Audible as well now. Um, and oh wow! Yeah, so that's that's pretty great. So Audible, we'll have a link down down at the bottom if you want to check out Audible. They're offering a free uh, a free book download uh, if you join up with them. I use Audible uh, pretty much. I've used it for the last I don't know six six or seven years, and uh, you know I, I I am on the two book two book a month plan, and I download two books and and listen to them on you know on car trips or at work at the office and stuff. So. I, I do a little smattering of like the great courses and some you know, like Dune, an excellent audiobook. Uh, you know Simon Vance is a is a true uh, true uh, national treasure. Um, yeah, and I narrate audiobooks on Audible.com. Yeah, you so can, you can straight up download Phil's audiobook. The, the so one Audible, he, Audible.com, yeah. they have good taste and they'll keep company on those long treks to all of the SEGs and GPs that uh, you're attending and all of the events at. Uh, bearded dragon and the like and right. you'll be supporting the show if you if you uh decide that you want to jo- join audible which is which is also great and uh 
So we'll have the link down down in in the show notes, and we'll also have it down on uh, the hipster site as well, so that you can that you can check that out if you want to. Uh, and that sort of ends ends this segment, and we'll begin uh, by talking about actually what we're uh, what our topic is this week. So what's our topic this week, Zach? So, <laughs> we had a, we have February to touch. Yeah, yeah. But. So so yeah, you know, forty minutes into the podcast, we're gonna start. We're gonna actually talk about what our topic is now. And uh, so this comes from a comment um, from Reddit uh, off of uh, Phil's uh, Top 32 uh, podcast from two weeks ago. Uh, Nonbo MTG wrote, uh, I thought it was an interesting point that DRS would be the fourth card in a row to be banned for the sins of the Fetchlands. And I thought, um, yeah, that is a pretty interesting idea. And um, I, I want to extrapolate on that a bit because we get we get like a little bit of that every now and again where people say, hey, you know, like brainstorm fetch lands, you know, when is that? They're so ubiquitous in every deck. Are they ever going to talk about those? But let's let's go to a world uh, where they do decide to make make a decision about brainstorm and fetch lands, and they say we're going to ban fetch lands. Uh, they ha- they aren't doing this right now. Like, I don't want to freak you anybody out. I don't. Yeah, nor do I expect them to. But I think it's an interesting thought uh, thought uh, experiment to talk about what what it would look like if uh, what the world would look like if they banned Fetchlands and we had to and we had to look at Legacy after this. Well, to me, I think the most interesting thing would be to see what happens to the Tempo archetype. The Tempo, the original Turbo Xerox deck that was, you know, all cantrips and these, these, this low land count, that was before Fetchlands. Like, you could go back and see what he did, you know? Mm-hmm. And now we have some more upgraded cantrips than what was available then, obviously. I mean, I think he was playing, like, Foreshadow, Alan Comer. And now, I mean, if you think about it, like, Brainstorm goes away, probably, but you have Ponder and Preordain. Mm-hmm which are going to be pretty good at doing what you want to do, finding your lands. You have Opt and Serum Visions, which you may or may not be into, sleight of hand. There's also Portent, yep. which we know was around then, but I don't think he tried it. And But we've seen it emerge. Um, but like the, I wonder if you would... if The question is whether or not that kind of tempo, daisy, like archetype could survive without fetch lands, or if it would become very streamlined into sort of like... A, you know, mono blue deck or, you know, maybe just blue red. So your first question is, do Delver decks continue to exist? Yeah. Okay. Phil? Because Delver is the most dominant archetype, yes, right? For sure. It really has been since Innistrad came out. I think Delver would continue to exist. I mean, my, uh, we, like you bringing up the question, the first thing that comes to mind is, I think we all go towards like the current decks that don't play Brainstorm. Like, obviously those decks would probably still remain. They would just have to be reconfigured to not have to beat up so much on Brainstorm decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do still think Brainstorm would see play, and it would see play in a lot of decks. I think that you would just see other things around to support it. And I think that uh, some of the cards that get uh, Big Boon, obviously, are Preordain and Thought Scour for the blue decks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would look at, if those are cards that do pick up, I would look at things like uh, the Delve guys, I think, get a lot better. I think Graveyard Interaction just gets better in general. Well, do the Delve um, guys get better, though, with while you're losing your fetch lands? Oh, yeah, well, I guess that would be true if fetch lands were just well, entirely gone, yeah. Let's look at it this way. Like, what you're saying, the question is, 
okay, you're talking about the decks that don't play Brainstorm. A lot of them beat up on Brainstorm, right? So let's just take like your your a red Stompy deck that's playing multiple Blood Moons and Chalices. Blood Moon probably gets much better. I mean, people are going to be playing City of Brass, right? Yeah. Like people are going to be going deeper on on non basics if they're trying to play multicolored decks. So Blood Moon's great. And then the question is, do you get does efficiency still rule? Like, do you still want a bunch of one drops in your deck because you might miss land drops? If you're not able to as reliably cantrip and fix your deck, I, I, I actually, think I think that those I, decks I, I are would go the other way. I, I think it would be the other way. I think people would move away from like the three and like too many three and four color decks. Well, I think you'd have to, right? But that's people are going to try to make them work for a while, right? Oh yeah, starting out, people are always going to like push and see what the limits of the, a new format would be for sure. Mm-hmm. I think um, that I think um, people would come back and realize that like you you can't be playing the three and four color decks because right now like they're already fairly stretched you know and they do have fetches. Mm-hmm. I think uh I well I think there are two cards that specifically uh get a real downgrade uh if this happens, Deathrite Shaman and Stifle. Yeah, Stifle for sure, obviously. <laughs> Stifle's worthless at this point, right? Um, and Deathrite Shaman, it, it, you don't have to even ban Deathrite Shaman at this point. Deathrite Shaman is literally uh, a worse Grimlovmancer, probably. More like a Granger Guild Mage at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, uh, and I think that's interesting, like, the the, the original comment being like, well, we're, we're, we, we get rid of cards because these other cards are allowed to exist. And I, I'll say, I mean, I've I played non-Brainstorm decks that used Fetchlands to great effect. To make sure that I could beat Blood Moon, you know, so I could mm-hmm. fetch my basics. To make sure that I could, you know, hit all three of my colors. You know, the, the fetch lands don't just work with Brainstorm. It would, it would really, it would really be a shakeup. And the, the interesting question would be like, um, you know, a lot of the reasons that, for example, there isn't like a just a straight green black deck has to do with certain unfair matchups where you really want to have access, like you want to have access to white. You know, in order to to like so you have play play green, black, and white, mm-hmm. or uh, you know you want to play Jund or something to have some access to something else that that doesn't take care of. But if everybody's deck just takes a little bit of a hit, maybe you can play a straight up like green, black aggro deck, and that might open up like a different some different cards that we don't see get played a lot now, um, or different decks. But you know what what are we losing? With the answer is probably a lot. I think that the format on the whole, like, I think that there would be a lot more non-games. And I say that because I think the things that, one of the things that Brainstorm does, yes, obviously Brainstorm is, you know, one of the most powerful things you can be doing. And it's like way better than uh, most cards in the format and yada, yada, yada. But I think the one thing that Brainstorm does do is that because it can fix your hand, you actually get to play more games than you otherwise would, and I think you would see a, a much larger increase in games that you lose to Flutter Screw. Yes, I think that that's a well, definite yeah. fact. Taking it back to the original Turbo Xerox deck, and I think when he ported it to Extended, Alan Comer, he had like Land Grant and Tropical Island to shuffle off Brainstorm. Maybe a couple of those Mirage. We didn't even talk about whether or not people would play the Mirage Fetchlands. Like, would you play floodplain and all that stuff? I don't. Now that think makes wasteland better. <laughs> oh well, man, wasteland's so good. 
at that point. Well, yeah, the thing like Wasteland gets so good in this potential for in this potential format, um, and so does Blood Moon. That like I always like I often say when we we have these banners, this this restriction list discussions. I I fully agree, and I have probably I was the person who said on our cast, "Hey, we're doing this because we allow fetch lands to be legal and they're stupid." But you know that's I think that's a level of stupid that is un, that is sort of distributed it's enough fun. among potential decks. <laughs> yeah, like you know every deck, you know there are very few decks like the Eldrazi deck is the example, right? That doesn't they don't use fetch lands and they wouldn't want fetch lands. But almost every other deck you're looking at here, if D and T splashes, they want fetch lands. You know. Uh, Turbo Depths plays fetch lands. Like, what else doesn't... Like, Elves plays them, you know, for Dryad Arbor interactions. Lands plays them. Everyone plays them. It's not like it's something that only one deck gets... gets it's, just, it's just that one card is weaponized by yeah. it. So, here's here's a question. If we're, we're in a situation... Let's think three steps down the line, right? Where uh, Blood Moon and Wasteland get that much better. Do we just askew from three color decks and go back to two color decks and and play a more basic land uh or an mana base well you could go to one one and two color decks if you wanted to yeah i mean i mean like a true monocolor deck i mean i would actually just you could do monocolor decks i'm listening to you guys i'm already thinking of cards that would get a lot stronger ones that immediately come to mind are things like Stoneforge Mystic. Mm -hmm. And that's because I'm looking at or thinking of cards that are essentially the same thing as Fetchlands. Fetchlands are at at, at like at a base level, they're tutors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, like if you just look at other cheap tutors in the format, those cards value increases exponentially because of the fact that you can get the shuffle off of them. Well, here's, here's the thing is the tutors themselves you know minus demonic tutor um don't actually draw you a card right fetch lands technically get you a card back right because you're putting a land into play right um the uh stoneforge mystic gets you a card right because you put that card in your hand you've played a creature right but like enlightened tutor worldly tutor gamble kind of works that way you're playing gamble in a deck that wants gamble um and uh, uh-huh. Vampiric Tutor, which is not legal in Legacy, so uh, not not a not a problem. It is Mystical Tutor <laughs> and Mystical Tutor. Uh, I, I think also not legal. Also not legal. Yeah. So <laughs> any of those tutors, uh, uh, th- you know that that cycle of tutors from from Mirage Visions wouldn't get the effect you're kind of really looking for, which is gaining a card off of that as well. Yeah, I was thinking of things like Stoneforge Mystic and Recruiter of the Guard, and then there's also Trinket cards Mage. that are like on the cusp of playability, which is like Merchant Scroll. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Trinket of course, Mage. like these these Trinket cards. Mage, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, these cards like incentivize you to have to play with you know the cards that they can actually go get. Um, but just the the fact that they make it so that your brainstorms still work as brainstorms. You know, I mean, I think like the the format would definitely have to get tested to the point of like that's the type of a format without fetchlands would actually show you the the true power of brainstorm for how far people go to make brainstorms work. Oh yeah, I mean, I think people will bend over good. backwards to make to make brainstorm happen. You know, especially anybody think, that's got a foil place at the brainstorms. 
Well, that's true. I don't know how much I uh, think it, that would as be as effective. I mean, eventually, the that's a good question, though. Would people eventually get away from it? I'm trying to find this. There's an article that pops up from the old sideboard. Um, oh, the old sideboard. Jeez. That, the, so the uh, sideboard was, like a, was a supplement, a tournament supplement to Duelist Magazine. Yeah. And there's one those with, of you who are older where than they me. go through history of Turbo Xerox. I mean, the, 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 I already mentioned uh, the, um, the, uh, the card, um, what's the, the cheapest tutor, Land Grant. <laughs> yeah, Land Grant. <laughs> can't, right? can't get any cheaper than that. Uh, granted, you know, it makes you reveal your hand. Well, I can't find it now, unfortunately, this, this article, which is really interesting to see if you want to like go back and see where Del- Delver decks really got their start. Um, so it's, it's always an interesting read to go back. Sometimes I go back there and read it just to think of like interesting interactions that are possible, you know? Yeah. So so let's let's look at what what we've come up with so far. So Delver decks get weird. You decide whether or not that card's worth playing anymore because you're not going to... It's you're probably still need... worth playing. Oh, you yeah. definitely do need things to set up your Delvers. Yeah, yeah. You're going to need to find ways to set up your Delver. Um, so Threshold becomes a problem. Um, what? How do we feel about Tarmogoyf? Well, Tarmogoyf I mean, I'm already funny, off right? Tarmogoyf. So. Yeah, yeah, of course. Most people are off Tarm- Tarmogoyf at this point anyhow. But, like, you know, in, in a Especially world where the, things well, are changing, is Tarmogoyf, is, Tarmogoyf seems like he gets worse here because there are no lands in the graveyard anymore. Well, there's Wasteland. And Wasteland's going to be a big part of that, for sure. Wasteland, and there's, I mean, Ghost Quarter. I mean, you got to wonder, like, Oof. how effective is Ghost Quarter going to be? Like, more effective because people can't, can't like, if you knock the them basics, off, they get yeah. their one basic or one or two basics, and then they could be hit off a collar. I until think they it, draw another card. I would. I, I'm. I'm again. I'm on the other side of that. I think that if fetch lands go, people have to play more basics. Mm-hmm. So like, you would actually see decks with, even decks that are multiple colors, you would see decks with way more basics than normal. The like modern mana base of like f- playing five yeah. basics. Well, here's an interesting. Here's an interesting card that gets better. If you've got twenty twenty four lands in your deck now, you know how do you feel about Mox Diamond? That puts up your land count a lot, but it fixes your mana. I mean, and it helps you accelerate things out. And like, really, with Mox Diamond, um, I mean, you're you're already conceding that you're going to draw a certain amount of lands. Mox Diamond is an accelerant at the beginning of the game that could really put you far ahead. Turn one but, Mox Diamond into Tarmogoyf, and you've got a one one two Tarmogoyf. And then you just I, then you just catch. I, your I like that we're Mox looking. We're trying to think of like new busted things to to be doing <laughs> in a world without. You go right. You're just like yeah, just Tarmo dude. Yeah, dude, Tarmogoyf's busted. <laughs> um, yeah, so how, what, what do you think about decks like? Yeah, so we've talked about uh, you know our aggressive spell spell based decks, but what about decks like Storm? Uh, you know, decks that also use fetch lands but don't necessarily uh, you know have the same plan. Well, the shuffle effect in Storm is really important so that they can exchange the cards in their hand that they don't need for the cards that they do need. Sure. I mean, they have and, Infernal Tutor for that, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, sometimes you, like, need more mana, and you have, like, a bunch of extra stuff you don't need, like extra Infernal Tutors or extra lands, 
and a brainstorm. Like brainstorm is very very good in the storm deck. Now there have been storm decks in the past that didn't play, um, that played more rainbow lands and and were, you know, less on the fetch dual mana base. Mm-hmm. That's gone away a bit. I mean, even just even just making sure you can land your initial swamp, is going to be a thing that yeah. Storm's going to have to wrestle with if in the, in the face of a wasteland. Especially they're playing City of Brass or or a Gemstone Mine. But again, it makes you wonder, like, how many colors does Storm need to play when they when brain when uh, not brainstorm when fetch lands aren't in the format and it changes other decks? Yeah, you know that's that's the question. Like these Storm decks, like we were talking about my Storm match before. Like, well, he he had. He had red, black, and blue in play, and I was waiting to see if he'd also play green. I mean, maybe the decks aren't playing that. They aren't playing four colors because they don't need to have access to all this stuff, right? Or they're just playing four cities and four mana confluences and four uh, undiscovered paradise. Yeah, I mean, you could totally do that. Drudge does that. Yeah. (laughs) I think one thing that does get better for Storm decks and decks that are also running discard is discard gets way better without Ooh, brainstorm yeah. yeah discard gets way better especially if you can't like get you know like you're not going to play brainstorm in the begin to, in the first place but then on top of that if you're not if, if you're not playing brainstorm like you can't hide anything so here's a question that i was wondering about the entire time what about the deck show and tell i think I show, mean, and tell, show and tell gets way better that's what i was thinking too now, discard is very good against show and tell. Um, I mean, intuition is a is a wonderful magic card that shuffles your deck. Right. I'm just thinking, show and tell already is a two color deck that plays a lot of basics, and you know they play brainstorm obviously, but that's more to that's more to find their two card combo. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're playing ancient tomb in their brainstorm deck, and I you know, they'll play blood moon. Blood moon, you went to oblivion. <laughs> I think Show and Tell is a very good deck, and that that will put a ser- that would put a serious amount of pressure on the format in the post in the post Fetchland world. Are there other cards like obviously Deathrite and Top and all these things? And I you know I'll say for the on the whole that if Fetchlands uh, weren't in the format, that coverage would just be would be a big winner. Um, but I I'm also curious what are the other cards in the format that you think aside from Deathrite that are paying st- Paying the sins of Fetchlands, or paying well, top, for the sins of Fetchlands. Top was one of them for sure. Well, top was definitely one of them. I'm saying that like the, the so. What about uh, Treasure uh, Cruise? According to that post, he was saying that Deathrite will be the fourth in a row yeah. that are really just cards that are uh, enabled by Fetchlands. Is, what are the other cards in the format right now that are like Brainstorm is one of them? Mm-hmm. Are there any other cards that are just like way, way, way more busted than they would be if Fetchlands only because Fetchlands exist? Mm. All the Delve cards is is the big one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, ta- you know, not Tassiger, obviously. No one's playing with it, but Gurmog Angler, um, less busted for sure. Um, what else? See, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to explain where this original point came from quickly, though, because I see what Phil's saying. There's not a lot of stuff now that Treasure Crews, Dig Through Time, and Top have been have been sort of canned. No, there's not a ton of stuff that's busted by Fetchlands left. However, because the Brainstorm Fetchland engine is so far superior in creating consistency in your deck than anything else you could be doing, it it forces you into that 
paradigm. You're playing yeah. Brainstorm and Fetchlands. You're never going to try and do anything else, right? And then all these other cards that draft off what's good in with that, and that's Gurmag Angler, that's Young Pyromancer, you know, that's Deathrite Shaman. All that stuff just gets so, is you're already playing. You're already doing the best thing to be doing. And as those payoff cards for that get that much better, now you're really that's where you're getting the consolidation that people are to an extent frustrated by, and like. One of the reasons why I didn't like the top banning was that top and fetch lands is is color agnostic. I could do that in a lot of different decks if I wanted to. I didn't have to play Brainstorm and Force Will. Didn't even have to play Deathrite Shaman. Didn't have to, or didn't have to play four of them or any of that stuff. But once you got rid of top and took away that, you even more incentivized your polluted Delta, Underground Sea, fetch lands, Brainstorm, Deathrite, Gurmag. True name, Baleful Strike. Like it, it just builds itself. It goes, yeah. It just keeps going on. For there, there would have to be a card like on the power level of top, and like Miri's Guile isn't it, but Miri's Guile's out there. Like if you really wanted to try breaking Miri's Guile outside Enchantress, you could. It's just never going to be as good because there isn't redundancy in the effect like there is with Brainstorm Ponder, Brainstorm Ponder preordained and and uh, Probe, and also Jace the Mind Sculptor if you want it. Yeah. That that's the consolidation that it because the brainstorm fetchland engine is so good, you're never like you. There's nothing you, you can't chop off enough legs, you know. Or you you would chop off so many legs, you would end up like modern, which a lot of people like modern. I'm not trying to crap on it. I'm just saying that modern is very diverse, but that's because they have cut the head off so many times, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're just you're just so heavily incentivized to get there. I think that there's a, the Fetchlands also have an inherent jundification to them. And by that, I mean, like, you just get to play the good stuff. Because mm-hmm. colors yep. just don't matter. Because you Fetchers just make it so you can just play all of them, and it's fine. And then that's the only reason that cards like Blood Moon are actually good, is because people can are, are free to do that. Yeah, and now you're punished uh, for, for trying that. Yeah, just the, I think that if, if Fetchlands go away, the the jundification of a format also expires. That's a fair, and I, that's a question. Would you be willing to make that trade? Uh, I mean, I, I'm always, I'm always for, and you'll, you'll learn this, Phil, as we get close, every time we get close to ban and restricted time, I'm like, all right, let's nuke everything. Let's just, let's drop a <laughs> nuclear bomb on every format. Let's unban stuff. Let's ban stuff people love. Like, it always feels really good around ban time. So I'm always up for it, but, um, I mean, we're already we're already out of of the best thing to like we're already just the best thing to do is is all the cantrips. There, there, the question there, is how much worse that gets without. Off the when it comes to the the, the band the, like there are things where, like legacy like the the legacy debate over brainstorm has just been going on forever since Fetchlands came in right, and this like the same way we're with Fetchlands like people like casting their spells right people mm-hmm. want to play decks with the cards that they want to play, and Fetchlands are just like really abusive in being able to let them do what they wanted to do. So there are some healthy points to both the cards or both fetch lands and brainstorm. But I think that the, before going, instead of at a ban list, like you're talking about where you just like, yeah, ban it all, see what happens. Uh, I think a better approach to exploring the idea for one, I don't want them to get rid of brainstorm. Uh, I, but I am on the side that fetch lands are the, 
the unhealthiest part of magic. Um, but I would actually say that a, a, a better way to explore those things rather than just saying, okay, we're just going to do it, see what happens, and then face the backlash is to just hold tournaments with ban lists solely for that tournament. Yeah. And then that's I, how you can, you can experiment with that. And then also, if there's enough people out there that are like, hey, we really want to see what the format would look like without Brainstorm, you know, I, w- I would go ask, ask your local shops and uh, see if they'll, host, if they'll just host a, a format where people, the, the gentleman's agreement that you can't play Brainstorm and see what people come up with. I think that would be a really interesting experiment. I agree. And when I say I'm, I get really excited about nuking all formats, I'm, you know, tongue, it's tongue in cheek. You know, I'm like, ban Dark Ritual, unban, you know, Mystical Tutor, like, it's whatever, like, it's just a joke, but, like, yeah, I, I think... I'm, um, cool. I'm cool with them banning I, everything. I about people want to play the, the Dawkins Shackles. <laughs> yeah, right. You can probably do that now, actually. Um, I mean, Cake Command's a thing, though. That's true. Yeah, well, you, you can't cast Cake Command through your Blood Moon. Um, <laughs> Got him. Yeah, then you Stone Rain their basics. See, I love Modern. No. Uh, <laughs> um... Like, Stone Rain being a playable card is so great. Stone Rain would be playable, by the way, in uh, Legacy of the Fetchlands. So would Sinkhole. See, that's the thing. Like, Sinkhole is... Has Pox just become the best deck? <laughs> Pox would be very good. Well, you think about it. Pox is a monocolored deck. Like, that, you know... <laughs> yeah, you're just yeah, playing I'm, off the top anyway. Guys, um, let's be real with ourselves. We we all know that whatever Ponder deck is that's left over would still be the best deck. I think Miracles would still be pretty good, actually, which is ironic without Brainstorm. But they're making it work in modern without Brainstorm. So <laughs> there you go, right? Is that all you need to know? I, I, I would say that it would not. I think you need your Brainstorms early enough for your Termini. But uh, I do think Brainstorm, the, the decks that are super reliant on Brainstorm in a lot of ways, I think they would just go to the next best thing and just still play the Ponder plus other blue cards and still be great. Well, I think a tournament would be ideal. It'd be great to see if we could ever get that together. Um, and what you said, Phil, I just want to say something about you're like people want to play their cards, and you know what? As much as you know, there, there are certain things that you can't play. You know, like they're they're like, oh, this is just doesn't hit the the threshold for being playable. And legacy, but that's always true. And I think that what's interesting is that sometimes I kind of like look around, and people actually really like some people actually like being able to play four color, you know, piles of cards. And trying and like cramming all the best cards in, or I have this this elf that fixes my mana, so now look what I can do with these with these four colors. And the 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 sort of attitude that's out there seems to be that no one likes this card or no one likes this format. I don't think that's true. I think people are having fun. I thought about splashing Sylvan Library into a uh, mentor. Why not? Like it's a good card. It would be a good card with the, with mentor. You know. I'm comparing it to like search for a scan that would make my mana base even more susceptible to blood moon. But you know, that's the risk you're willing to take. If you're doing that, you're taking the risk that you can get blood mooned into oblivion or wasteland locked or something like that. And I think there is still counterplay, but yeah, it's a lot of, I don't know. Like it's hard. You can't please everybody. And there are a lot of things I don't like about what's going on right now. There's a lot of things I do like about what's going on right now. You know, I mean, it sounds like a it sounds like I'm middling out. I'm just I'm just trying to like bring this conversation to a close by saying like, yeah, Fetchlands being gone would make Brainstorm and Deathrite Shaman not as good. And and then what do you have? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean I think I mean ultimately I think what you have is a format that a lot of people jump away from because they're upset. 
Um, I don't know that 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 uh, the format is any more or less fun necessarily, but it definitely changes changes the game a lot. Yeah, for uh, sure. Um, so I guess I guess with that, let's uh, we, we've we've certainly beat this dead horse into into oblivion at this point. Um, Phil, you had a card from the new set you wanted to talk about. Yeah, there's actually uh, now that we've had a, uh, after, after discussing the set last episode, there's been a couple of cards that have stuck out to me as I think flying under the radar. I guess if that can be a thing that can happen since the spoiler. But we um, are on the radar at this point. Yeah, I, I like there, <laughs> there there are there are two cards. Uh, one that I'll I, I'll chat a little bit further in depth about because I've put more thought into it. Uh, the one that I just think is going to become a new combo deck of some kind is uh, Precognition Field, uh, which is three and a blue for an enchantment that says you may look at the top card of your library. So you're not revealing it. You just get to look at it anytime. Uh, it's the Sphinx of Draw Isle effect. And then you may cast the top card of your library if it's an instant or sorcery. And then it has a, a, an activated ability of three generic mana to exile the top card of your library. So at four mana, it's the type of card that strikes me as one that you build your deck around it with obviously a bunch of instants and sorceries, and then every instant and sorcery that you cast off the top of your deck also has draw a card attached to it because you get to cast the next card on the top of your deck. So when I'm looking at combo decks, I think, man, if all of my rituals just also said draw a card on them, this game would be really easy. Yeah. <laughs> so that card starts, it, it sticks out to me as that's a card that will be a new combo deck. I don't know what deck that will be just yet because I haven't actually gone through and built lists, but Precognition Field is one to keep on your radar. That will become a deck, if not in Legacy, most certainly in Modern. Yeah, so, I see this is, is definitely a boon in Modern as far as uh, a card that uh, just could be played uh, off of a turn to, uh, turn to like Ritual Ritual Precognition Field. Uh, and then uh, Modern Storm just is like, okay, now every card on top of my deck is going to say draw a card on it. Like, Scry gets way more powerful when you can just cast the card that you leave on top. Yeah. You know, like, Serum Vision's problem where you have to draw in the dark and then leave the top two cards uh, Scry afterwards, so it's not until the next turn that you get the benefits. Precognition Field just makes it so you just get to do all of the things. Yeah, ba ba uh, I mean, basically, Precognition Field and, and Serum Visions gives it Scry. It's, it's like, draw two cards and then Scry a card, probably. I think that a card like this is dangerous in a ways where if you read it and just go, oh, my hand is now also the top of my deck. You yeah. know, it's, it, it, it strikes me as something similar to, like, Birthing Pod, where Birthing Pod's effect in you know, uh, different words just said your deck is now in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> and so when cards do things like this, usually they can be broken in some capacity. I mean, and mana I severance that, works pretty good with this, right? Man, just yeah, take out like, all lands. Like, yeah, deck. just remove all the lands from your deck and high tide like a, like a freaking psycho. <laughs> yeah, there's like... Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot going for this card and there are like... Just things that set up the top of your deck, even if you don't necessarily draw a card immediately or whatever, this just makes it so you do draw a card immediately. And doing that is the difference between drawing a card in the turn that you're currently in versus next turn. A lot of times can be the difference between you just getting to win the game on the spot versus not. Yeah, right. So keep an eye out for precognition field. 
Yeah. The other card I, that I wanted to talk about. Hold on. I just wanted to ask you a quick question about this. Oh, yeah. So this we just talked about Fetchlands for 45 minutes. This card's pretty busted with Fetchlands. What would you what would you cost the effect? You may look at the top card of your library at any time at one. What is that worth to you? One. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like you you could you could cost it at blue, but that there 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 isn't you you can't pay more than a mana for a card that's either one not going to enable you to win the game or two netting you a card in exchange. Knowing that you're gonna look knowing that you have nine fetch lands in your deck though, you think it's it's not worth it at two? What you, about you if, may look- if, if if we're ta- if we're talking legacy, if if a card just said if it was just an enchantment that was one in a blue and it said you may look at the top card of your library at any time, if it cost one in a blue, it would see zero play. Yeah. What Unless about it if part it of a did, busted combo? What about if it you may look at the top card of your library and had this three exile the top card of your library, but didn't let you cast it? Just just was like, here's some library manipulation. Like Soothsaying I, is blue and that doesn't see any play. But I that's don't know five to I shuffle. Think- I, like you, but you're you're pulling this out, and then I say there's a card that's sort of like that. Scroll rack already exists. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, and scroll rack only sees play when people are trying to do something that's just worse than anything else they could be doing. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I was just thinking about I was thinking about this relation to search for Ascanta because there have been times I've had search for Ascanta in play recently, and flipped it, and then been like, oh man, I really wish I didn't flip that. Because I've got enough stuff in my hand. Because all my hand is just gas. From, well, whose like, fault is that, Nate? It's a may. You're yeah, right. I know. <laughs> right. It is a may. Like, yeah. Yeah. I felt stupid flipping it into a blood moon. But like uh, that. May, that may be when I first thought. I was like, I should just kept this as a scry. But the point was just like my hand is all gas. Like uh, I don't really need to flip this right now. And I want to. And I want to keep the gas flowing. I don't want to be tapping. You know, four four lands. I don't know. I'm just wondering because it's similar. Here's a, here's, here, here's a thought experiment for that then remove the second part of search's ability it doesn't get to flip into a land that then lets you impulse every turn it only has the top ability that ability would probably have to be priced at one in a blue and yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying for legacy that's too slow i mean it, does, it already does nothing i mean it's already a two mana do nothing <laughs> like the first few turns you have it that's the thing right that's but if you're, so you're, you're playing it you're playing it for the upside of the fact that it's just going to be unbeatable card advantage once it's flipped Right. Eventually, it's awesome. Yeah, that's true. And like, the only times that you don't flip it are times where, one, you know they have Wasteland. Two, you fear Wasteland enough that you're willing to take the, the secondary, the, like the first ability of just scrying every turn as better than, like to play around Wasteland. Or three, if you are fearing things like Blood Moon or it's Ilk. Yeah. Um, that's all. I just, wanted, I just wanted to ask about that because you mentioned this card and I thought about Search for Iskanta. But I do think if they if they just printed a card that said blue, and you get to do the front half of Search for Azkanta, I think that's absolutely a playable card. Yeah, for sure. Because just being able to fix your draw for the rest of the game is, I mean, obviously it, super powerful. It's a playable card that, until Search for Azkanta gets printed, and then you just pay the extra mana for Search for Azkanta, right? The other thing, the other thing I think that like you would change it up though is I think Search for Azkanta also is way more powerful for that type of effect because it dumps the stuff into your graveyard. It doesn't put it on the bottom of your deck or exile. So, but you can only do it at the beginning of your upkeep. But the fact that you are like, it's not only it, it's fixing your draw, but a bunch of times it's also going to net you cards because there are a lot of things that have value going to the graveyard. Oh, I, I agree with that. I understand they're different. But I guess what I'm saying is like. 
okay, I drew my card. Oh, it's this. Well, what's my next card going to be? And then you look at it and you're like, okay, well then I, maybe I won't crack this fetch land or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that the, the any timeness of this is interesting, especially with reactive things like brainstorm into forceful. We should get going. Cause I, we should keep going. You go to your next card, Phil, because Zach's going to pass out. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, like the, to finish that off though, I think that like the effect of just putting opt on an enchantment and getting to do that every single turn in your upkeep, I think is playable at one, playable in some control decks at two. But aside from that, I think that that the pricing would have to be uh, is would be too high. Yep. Um, okay, what's what's your other? <laughs> the other card. Uh, oh yeah, we'll go through this one real quick. This one's the one that you should people should keep their eye on. Um, and I think it's uh, Naban, Dean of Iteration. It's one in a blue for a two-one legendary human wizard. And it says, if a wizard entering the battlefield under your control causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers twice um, or at a, an additional time. But uh, people's first thoughts immediately when they, when they read this card, when they heard this card, myself included, we went right to Snapcaster Mage. Um, the, but I think if you go one layer dip, deeper with this card, it wants you to be playing with permanence. And I think that there's a lot of wizards that people already play with that do a lot of really, really busted shenanigans when the Naban is on the field. And the fact that he's a 2-1 means that he's also a very good offensive creature. Um, the two that currently have, have seen a bunch of legacy play that this card could already slot into really well with are Vendillion Click. So when Vendillion Click enters the battlefield, if you have a Naban on the table, uh, you just get to duress your opponent twice, or you can fix your own hand, or you can split the difference. Really powerful, especially when Caracas is around. The other card that was paired with Vendelian Click for a long time was Venser. And Venser's ability of getting to just return or bounce a permanent, that would trigger twice, which means that you can just go, okay, uh, in response, I'll return your spell or bounce your permanent, and then also bounce Venser. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you just get to recur your Venser every turn until they get rid of your Naban, which is going to be tough if you have a Caracas. And then finally... The real reason that all of this is busted is because you get to play Mox Amber. Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, if you're going to play Mox Amber, right, you might as well play four of them, right, and play this guy, then drop four Mox Amber, tapping each one as they go, and, and what, master the waves. Yeah, you master the waves, making double the, the, the elemental tokens is pretty nice. But uh, the, the Mox Amber thing, like as, as much as we joke, Naban's a legend. Vendelian clicks a legend. Venser's a legend. Like we are, we are dangerously close, and that's only staying in blue. Yeah. I, I'd have to look at. I closed my window with all the uh, with all the uh, wizards in it. Unfortunately, I mean, obviously, I spell stutter sprite just becomes. A, I mean, it's not really any different because it either works or it doesn't. <laughs> they remove the spell stutter sprite on the stack. You the know, the only difference matter. is that if uh, spell stutter sprite would trigger twice, so if there was a stack, you could counter two spells on it. Yeah, that would be pretty sick. I countered a force of will with a spell stutter sprite because I had a bitter blossom out. That was pretty sick. Um, what other wizards have entered the battlefield abilities? I don't. I can't really think of any offhand. Well, the, there's a bunch of merfolk wizards, um, and the ones that you could look at specifically are things like Silvergill Adept. Mm -hmm. uh, we just That's a wizard? Yeah. But, like, Silvergill Adept will draw two cards. Um, when I was looking at other wizards, once I thought of Venser and uh, Vendillion Click, the other ones, as I was looking through, like, 
Now we're just I was just pulling out legacy, but in terms of modern, you get things like Reflector Mage, bounce two bros. Uh you get things um uh what's that other um oh one of uh, be still my heart uh sea uh floor oracle that is was uh yeah sea seagate oracle seagate oracle yeah well what's the other one auger bolus yeah auger bolus is a card for sure um and then of course you get like you get snapcaster mage obviously um and these are all these are all blue. These are all just blue. Outside of the reflector mage was the splash white. Like there's there's probably a lot of additional room with red. Like I imagine there's a bunch of red wizards that also do really stupid things if you get to do their effects twice. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm looking at them and I don't really see much. But <laughs> not really. I mean, yeah. Master I, 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 I think the bond is gonna be one of the few cards it looks like from this new set that will actually be very good. Uh, once people have played around with these cards enough, um, and I think that I will be one of the first people doing it and uh, get your mox ambers today. Oh my gosh, Prime Speaker Zagana would draw six cards, <laughs> unless you had a. Yeah, at the end of the day, this this was really all just for <laughs> Prime Speaker Zagana. Yes, really, just a way for us to get Prime Speaker in there. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think. That that does it for this week, right, guys? I can't top Prime Figures of Ghana. You can brainstorm all... twice with Riverwise <laughs> Auger, and you can you can fetch in between. <laughs> this this conversation was, uh, I think, really really beneficial for maximizing the value that Mox Amber is going to bring to our lives. I'll there agree with that. <laughs> I'll agree with that's the best thing you can probably do with Mox Amber right now. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, of course, Mox, Mox Amber and Fetchlands, you know. Yep. Uh, what else do you need? Duo Made in Heaven. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think that's that's it for this week, guys. Uh, we, uh, we talked about our new sponsors. We talked about uh, the top eight. We talked about uh, Deathrite Shaman. We talked about uh, getting rid of Fetchlands in Legacy and... Uh, we talked about uh, precognition field and Nabon Dean of iteration. Uh, anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, man, go get get on Audible, guys. Educate yourselves, and you then can also bounce. bust precognition field. You can you can bounce two slivers with a Dalkin either mage as long as you have a. Uh, oh Nabon oh play. oh! The the other card that gets really good with uh, Nabon is uh, what the Aether Aether Mage, the the cycler that lets you tutor for a wizard. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god. Well, it's got another battlefield ability. Yeah. No, but you get to tutor for any wizard you want. You just get to play like these one of crazy you get to play the one of prime speakers of Ghana in your deck because you have this Aether Mage it's that you true. just get to tutor it for free. It's all true. you need is oh all you need is two caverns on wizard and four other lands. Oh <laughs> my god. Yep. All right. Counter will draw six. All right. All right. Well let, let's let's <laughs> cut it there then. Have a good one, guys. Can you see any more stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, any more stuff? Can you see any more stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys?